Hey, it's John Williams. If your home struggled to stay warm this winter, then you know it's going to be hot this summer. Maybe it's those old leaky windows and doors. Call Next Door and Window, the company we hired. Right now, you'll get buy one, get one 30% off, plus 18 months of interest-free financing. So call 1-800-NEXT-DOOR right now. That's 1-800-NEXT-DOOR or go to 1-800-NEXTDOOR.COM. Podcasts. It's like radio, but it's not on the radio. Hogan Johns. We will be perfect. Obsession. In every aspect of the game. Being obsessed. Fires over the middle and it's intercepted at the 26-yard line. Roquan Smith. That's going to go for it all. A jump on the end zone picked off at the goal line. Look out. Through the middle to plant Goff in the end zone. WGN Radio's very own Adam Ho. How much you want to make a bet I can throw a football over the mountain? Dang. Lucky. And the Chicago Sun Times, Adam Johns. Home for Pedro Sanchez. Who do you think? Freaking awesome. Man, I wish I could go back in time. Bring you Chicago's best Bears coverage. Akeem Hicks scored a touchdown last week. Exclamation point of ever you've seen one. Obsession. Being obsessed. And now, here they are. Perfection. The Adams. Yeah, baby. Hogan Johns. Back in 82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin quarter mile. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. What's up? Welcome in. Here we are, the Adams. Hogan Johns. Still recovering from a Sunday night game. A good one, though. Was that just a clip from Napoleon Dynamite? Yeah, I think there was a couple of them in there, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, I think you're right. Underrated movie. Different movie. Underrated. I remember when that movie came out, it was... People were obsessed with it. Yeah, it like, was different. Uh, upset. I remember... Um, I don't remember what time of year it came out, but I do. I just have this vivid memory of one Christmas where my family must have watched it like four times in two days. And I was like, During Christmas? Over uh, Home Alone? Well, I think it had, like the DVD had just come out, maybe uh, around Christmas time. You know somebody, what I mean? Somebody got it in their stocking. I hear you. We when, think about that. We don't even think about things like that anymore. But DVDs used to come out in December all the time. So, you know, because you could stock the stuffings with DVDs. Now no one has DVDs. Yeah. So, so my my son will occasionally go to the library and he'll come home with a DVD, and I'll be like, "Son, I don't know where to, where we can play this." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I I can't even put that on my laptop. Yeah, I mean, we went from VHS to DVD to just digital real fast, real fast. So, uh, all right, well, um, here we are, episode 201 of the Hogan Johns Podcast. It's been a very busy Tuesday. We're getting this out a little later uh, than usual, but uh, definitely wanted to make sure we got you out an episode because, I mean, man, it's a, it's a busy time with the Bears. What a win on Sunday night against the Rams and quickly turning the attention to Packers week. Um, very meaningful Packers week as the Bears can now clinch the NFC North, Adam Johns, on Sunday. It just seems, I, I called it appropriate, it, it's fitting, it's kind of like a dream, is it not? This, this is the team that beat you in week one, this is the team that's been in your in your way for seemingly f- forever, and, and here you are with the chance to win the NFC North and eliminate them from playoff contention. It's quite something. Quite something it is. 
You can follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S, our producer, Joe Romano, at Joey Joe Rowe, and the guy doing those opens for us, Ernie Scatton, does a great job, and you can read us at WGNRadio.com slash Bears, ChicagoSunTimes.com. Johnson, you got a story up today that's interesting, uh, the Matt Nagy-Green Bay Packers connection that goes all the way back to 9-11. Hadn't had a chance to read it yet, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, thanks there, man. Um, I, I don't know if many people know the, the full details of the story. On September 11th, uh, of, of course, everybody remembers where they were uh, on that morning, and Matt Nagy was in Green Bay for his last, his final workout for an NFL team. Went through the workout, came back to the team facility, the news was breaking, and he watched the the, the coverage from CNN in the, the Packers locker room, like, Feet away from Brett Favre, feet away from Dorsey Levins, Antonio Freeman. Uh, so, of course, it was a surreal moment for him. But one just he, he, he kind of keeps in mind um, really now and really throughout his, his entire life or his, his whirlwind journey to, to where he is now, just having the right perspective on things, knowing things are bigger than football, to, to, to treat people the right way. So if you haven't read it yet, please check it out at chicagosuntimes.com. Um, 1,400 words. From this guy right here, Adam. Wow, wow, that's a, that's uh, I guess that's good reason to delay the podcast like twelve hours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How mad? To be, be honest. How mad were you when you got that text message from me at nine forty-five, being like, "Hey, brother, I need this time." Uh, uh, uh j- just full honesty. The only reason I was annoyed at all was because I would have gone. I didn't go to Hallis Hall today, and I would have gone had I had earlier notice. Okay. But there was no way with what I was dealing with at home to turn it around and get to Hallis. So that was the only reason. Was like it felt like a wasted morning. So that's it. We're good. Well, well hopefully you got your long shower in. You stayed in your pajamas <laughs> a little bit and you enjoyed the morning. I did get a. I did get a long shower in. Um, what'd, you, what'd you go for today? Uh, ooh, good question. Maybe like twelve and a half minutes. Oh, that's not too bad. I don't. That's know. not too bad. I didn't. I didn't time it. But um, no, we're. It's all. It's all good. Uh, just. You know, we're all a little bit behind after these Sunday night games, right? They, uh, they, it's, it's funny. It's just a few hours, but it kind of messes with your whole week, which I think when you go back to that Thanksgiving game against the Lions, which was why that was such a big deal. You know, it doesn't seem like it's that big, big of a deal to play at 7 o'clock instead of noon, but it really does kind of have a trickle-down effect throughout your entire week. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I, I don't know how you do TV on Monday morning sometimes. I, I got home in bed at 2. I was up at 6. And, I mean, yeah, it felt like a different world covering this team. Adam, this is the Bears are a winning football team. They got nine wins. Yeah. We haven't covered a winner since 2012, you and I. You know, I, um, I have a sound effect for that kind of reality that I'd like to share with everybody. Nice and long. The air raid siren. <laughs> you, you know, I, I actually have no problem with it. I don't I either. I, I, other teams do similar things. Is, Buffalo has something. The, the the Patriots have a foghorn. Don't don't do they not? Uh, I I can't remember. The only thing that that sticks in my head is the the Galler horn in Minnesota. Just nonstop. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I, I get it. The, the Bears fans may feel like they don't need it, but I'm all for trying different things. You know, getting the crowd going, getting everybody up, 
give them your team advantage. That's exactly what they want here. Look, I heard a lot of reaction to the air raid siren. A lot of it being, look, this is Chicago. We don't need that. We can be loud without it. And it's like, you know what? They wouldn't be playing it unless they felt like they had to. Right? I don't think it just came out of nowhere, and except they felt like they needed it. Um, so, I, and, and I, I, I don't even want to attack the fans that are at the game either in any means because it's been so long since they've yeah, had yeah. a reason to be loud throughout an entire game. So it, it's just sort of the reality, I think, of being bad for so long that they got to build it back up. And, you know, it was a very important game. And I don't know how involved Matt Nagy is with this stuff or isn't, but he just came from Kansas City. And I don't know how you feel, but that's one of the cooler trips that I've made on the beat and one of the cooler environments I've covered a game in. Arrowhead is loud, and those fans they, are on top. They own, their, they own their record for the loudest stadium right? in, in the world. And so what that, is it, 142.2 decibels or something like that? So that's where he came from. And, I, you know, I don't, I don't know if... Nagy had anything to do with the air raid siren, but there there seems to be an extra push this year, and especially with him and as much as he brings it up in his press conferences and thanks to fans and giving them game balls, whatever. I mean, I think it worked, and I don't really have a problem with it. And you know, you you want the opponent to be annoyed. It, it may be annoying for other people that are there in the stadium, fine, but really, as it, as as long as Jared Goff and Aaron Donald are annoyed, and Sean McVay, then it's working. Then then it's yeah. worth doing. Yeah. That's why all these teams, these colleges, these high schools have different t- traditions, right, in terms of annoyance, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's, makes, it's, the, it's the stadium experience. It's why you go to games is for an experience like that. Look, I, I text with season ticket holders uh, during home games all the time, and I, I'm telling you, some of them did not like the atmosphere. These are longtime fans. They thought the atmosphere was pretty subdued against the Vikings, and it went up a notch against the Rams. So I, I feel like, and, and you and I have seen open seats there, have we not? Now it was full against the Rams. Uh, I, I feel like it's taken a while for certain folks to, to come around to this team, to fully get on the bandwagon, even though they may be, be, be season ticket holders. So, But they have every right to be skeptical. I mean, the Bears have not given, given them a lot of things to cheer for over the years. But, look, I don't mind... The air raid siren. I don't mind. Look, okay, maybe the the, the PA announcement needs to cool it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't have to go to to to, to, to that degree. <laughs> you know what's more annoying than the siren? The thing they've been playing for years now, which is the "Are you ready?" <laughs> like every third down, that that's more annoying than the siren. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what's annoying is the guys that sit in front of the press box by by us that oh. bang on the on, on the walls. You know, I mean yeah. that's that's different. But they they're into the game. You know, that's what fans want. I'd rather cover a winner than, than what we have been covering over the past several years. So it, it's different. And, you know, I, I, for one, salute Nagy for trying to get everybody more involved. Look, he comes from Kansas City, like you said. Ryan Pace comes from New Orleans. I mean, that's another notoriously loud place. So obviously they have their experiences that they want to recreate here. It's not that bad. Come on, embrace the air raid siren, something like that. Um, you know, it's interesting that you said your season ticket holder buddies 
said that it was, you know, that they were unhappy with the Vikings because I, with just the, the atmosphere of the Vikings game, because I had a feeling that had something to do with this. Look, we're in a press box, there's glass. It's, it, it seemed that way to me, like it was a little bit more quiet than I thought against the Vikings, but it's hard for us to really judge when you're not actually outside. Um, you know, even when I'm on the sidelines for Northwestern, just having the headphones on mutes a lot of the, you know, the, the ambient noise around me. So a lot of times during the game, I'll take one, one, you know, side of my headphones off just so I can kind of hear the atmosphere at the same time. And then there's even moments where like, it's a huge third down and, and we might be on the road where I just for five seconds, take my headphones off just to get a good idea of what it sounds like in there. So we don't always have the best judgment of the atmosphere inside the press box. So I just found that interesting that you said that because I had a feeling that that was kind of the case. It it just wasn't what they wanted against the Vikings. And so they tried to take it to a new level against the Rams. And I think it worked because for the most part, it sounds like it was a really loud environment on Sunday night. Yeah. You know, and again, part of that is, is, is the team's own fault for stinking for so long. I agree. It's just, it's just, you need a winner. To cheer for, and the, the Bears finally have a winner. So I get it. And for everybody calling it Bush League, look, just a quick Google search. The the Patriots do have a third down foghorn. I, I vividly remember that from there. It's like it sounds like the Bruins goal horn, actually, uh, to me. Um, hockey stadiums do all sorts of different things. So it's not Bush League as much as people would think. You know, using the air raid siren and whatnot. And I heard some people saying that it was getting played like while the Rams were snapping the ball. That's not true. I, I don't think it's true because one uh, many of the many times I go back and watch the games, I one of them is when I watch the condensed version on NFL Game Pass, which is just snap, 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 and it takes out all the middle parts, you know, in between plays. So really, you're watching that. You're really seeing when the ball snapped, and that's and then the play. And I only heard the siren twice, and I was making note of it as I rewatched on the on uh, the condensed version, and I only heard it twice on the condensed version. So that tells me that it was only close to even coming to the snap uh, t- two times throughout the entire game. So I don't think it was being played during the snap. Well, well, Pat Philly and I were actually talking literally during the game, and I, I said to him, well, watch this. You hear the air raid siren? It stops when they break the huddle. Every single yeah. time it stopped when they broke the huddle. You know, I, there's obviously NFL rules they have to, to go by. We haven't heard anything from the league whatsoever. So, look, I took note of it. Um, Pat Finley took note of it during the game. When they would break their huddle, the air raid siren would end. Yeah. All right. Uh, there's an air raid siren, though, for Bears injuries because the Bears do have a significant injury to their defense uh, that we definitely have to talk about here. Uh, big news of the day, Bryce Callahan – uh, we knew he had a foot injury, and in a weird way how this was broken today. Um, but he has a broken foot. Some memorabilia company that he was supposed to do a a signing for today tweeted out, put on Facebook, that uh, due to a broken foot, Bryce Callahan can't join us. And that's kind of how the news got out there. But um, I don't know what you have heard, Johns, but you know I've heard it is broken. It's just a matter of, you know, there's so many bones within a foot. What exactly is broken? How bad is it? Is it a fracture that can heal without surgery? Or is this a situation that he needs surgery? That's the big question. Because if he doesn't need surgery, there's a chance you could see him in the playoffs. But either way, they're going to be without Bryce Callahan for a while, maybe the rest of the season. And that's a huge hole because he was having a great season. Yeah, you know what? This is really the story of Bryce Callahan's career, is it not? Yeah. So much promise, so many injuries that that seem to pop up. Now, this one... 
is a bit more significant than some of the nagging things that he's dealt with in the past, whether it's been knee or hip or whatever. But, yeah, it's clearly a loss for the Bears second there. He, he's been outstanding. Wasn't there some Pro Bowl discussion yeah. not too long ago? Maybe some of that was manufactured a bit. But this is a guy who's a supreme athlete. They call him the best dunker on the team, Adam, who was having a pretty good year. Yeah, and he was even one of the guys that Sean McVay mentioned in his long list of Bears defenders. So you know, oh, poor Eddie Goldman getting the shaft. <laughs> um, so here's the thing. Um, how well I, I guess we'll hopefully get more information on how bad it is, and we'll know whether or not he goes on IR. That'll that you know that'll tell the story on whether or not he has a chance to play again this season. Either way, Sherrick McManus comes in and will be tested. Now, a couple things here. Sherrick McManus has been on this team forever. He's the longest-tenured Bears player. All right, He's a veteran. He's a smart player. For whatever reason, as good of a special teamer as he has been, he has struggled in coverage when given the opportunity to play on defense. Now, I would like to bring up that most of those opportunities came when the defense was nowhere near this talented as a unit. And going, even going back and watching the tape, I didn't see any glare, glaring problems in the second half with Sherrick out there. Now, there were adjustments, and the Rams did try to attack him, but you saw Vic Fangio adjust, whether it was putting Leonard Floyd in the slot or dropping Khalil Mack in coverage. There were different options and schemes that he did. But the overall point here is, I think there's a chance that Sherrick will be able to fill in at a relatively high level. I mean, I don't think he's going to play as well as Bryce Callahan's been playing, but I do think that because this unit is so good that they'll be able to stomach this injury without it being too big of a problem. Well, I think certain matchups will change, right? You still have Eddie Jackson that you can use in a different capacity. I know you like him back there as your rangy, instinctual free safety, but if you have to match him up in a slot, maybe Randall Cobb or or whomever comes down the line, um, that could be an option for you. I feel like it was a couple of years ago that Sierra McManus had a fantastic camp, and he was the Bears' leading nickelback. And then things just kind of went completely awry come the preseason. What was this, two or three years ago? When did the when yeah. Bears go to Foxborough? I feel like it was, it was that year when, they, when John Fox's Bears um, practiced out there in New England. So I feel like we've been here before. Maybe he is a better player. Maybe Vic Fangio knows how to use Sherrick McManus better. But, look, to be honest, I don't think it would be bad to, to see more of Kevin Tolliver either. I don't know if they could put him in there. Maybe DeAndre, DeAndre Houston Carson can come and be your, your, your dime safety or something like that and be used in, in a nickel role as well. So I think they have options. Again, the Bears have, are, are definitely better prepared to handle certain injuries uh, this year in terms of depth, especially in the secondary. Yeah, and it, it, it goes to show you just how healthy they've been on that side of the football this year. Um, that I mean, here we are, there's three games to go, and this is really the first major, major injury uh, to the defense. And, you know, it, it's one that hurts, but you could do worse too. And so I, I just think as long as the rest of the unit stays healthy and plays at this level, especially the pass rush, I mean, that's the thing. You can... You can cover up holes in your secondary if you have a good pass rush. And as long as they continue to get pressure on the quarterback, they'll be all right. But there's no – yeah, this was, a, this was a big one. Yeah, absolutely. I, look, in terms of the future, if you want to go over this briefly, I think this helps the Bears in terms of retaining Bryce Callahan. Let's not forget that he came back in a one-year uh, RFA tender. Like, didn't point. get a lot of offers, didn't get a lot of attention out there, at least that he thought he would. And, look, he, he's having a, a big-time year. 
for a secondary that was making a lot of big-time plays. So in terms of retaining him, this could help. This could ease a lot of concerns about fans who are worried about losing him in the offseason. All right, uh, a number of other things that I want to touch on real quick before we get to uh, our Packers conversation. I should have mentioned off the top that uh, Mike Heller, our, our friend from Wisconsin, the host of the Mike Heller Show, which you can hear all across the state of Wisconsin. Uh, we we talked. He's been on this podcast uh, before, and we last talked to him in August before the season started, before that week one game against the Packers. Uh, He wasn't really buying the Bears yet and was still all in on the Packers. Certainly things have changed, and uh, that dominated a lot of the conversation. I had a chance to talk to him earlier uh, today, so we'll get that to you a little bit later. Big news, though, within the NFC North today, Johnsy. John Filippo fired the Vikings offensive coordinator. This is a guy that the Bears not only interviewed, but I really felt like took seriously as a candidate, and I know I had a chance to talk to John at the Super Bowl, um, both formally and informally, and my takeaway from that conversation was that he thought his interview with the Bears went really, really well. I didn't hear anything to the contrary from the Bears side either, uh, and you know I think they seriously considered hiring him. I know John felt like he had a great chance of getting the job when he left the interview. And it's just they decided to go with Matt Nagy in the end. And now it's a really fascinating situation because he ended up in Minnesota after winning the Super Bowl with the Eagles as their offensive coordinator and didn't even make it through their season as the OC after last night was just a terrible performance in Seattle and they fired him. Sounds like he almost needs more time as a play caller. Does it not? Which kind of... You know, Matt Nagy, we all, that was one criticism of his in terms of, you know, looking at his history. Like, he wasn't much of a play caller. He didn't have a history of, as a play caller under Andy Reid. And we, I think we see Matt Nagy still kind of growing into that role. But, uh, look, I think the, the change in the division was just so overlooked, you know, before the year, and it cannot be overlooked now. You look at the Packers, McCarthy out, Winston Moss after he tweets all sorts of stuff <laughs> out in, in Green Bay. The our, our friend in Detroit, the the soundbite that we all love, you know, fourth in the length of our, our oh our yeah, what's, yeah, the special teams coordinator out in, in um, Detroit. I don't think that's going to be the last guy out there as well. I mean, look at what's going around the division. Things just weren't working for Flip and, and Kirk Cousins. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, they're, they they can't run the ball. Kirk Cousins was awful last night against the Seahawks in prime time. Look, the, I mean, he's bad enough in prime time with bad play calling. Things weren't working. So I think there's kind of a unique situation brewing in Minnesota, to be honest with you. What is this, the fourth or third offensive coordinator in four years or something like that? Yeah, and uh, in, there's whispers, John, that, they, that Mike Zimmer could be in trouble, which is just yeah. crazy to me after the season they had a year ago. It's just to make change that fast. I don't know if that's a... I think Mike Zimmer's a heck of a coach, but you know, well, weren't there some whispers before the year that the Mike Zimmer, the head coach of the team, was kind of on the fence about signing Kirk Cousins? Well, he, yeah, and he, and the thing too is just like as long as these other franchises and now the Vikings are staring the Bears in the face as one of these that have the young quarterback and the young offensive mind as the head coach, and everybody wants that. I, 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 if I'm a defensive head coach in this league right now, I don't feel safe. I don't care how much success I'm having. I don't feel safe because it's just a trend that this league is going in. Yeah. If you look at maybe the Packers situation, is a bit different because you have this established Hall of Fame quarterback. But even that situation, I mean, who are you going to get that 
wants to coach Aaron Rodgers at this point, if some of those whispers are true, if Winston Moss's tweets um, can be read a certain way, you know, about holding number 12 accountable. Right. So, I mean, these coaching searches, whether it's the offensive coordinator in Minnesota, you know, I mean, is Mike Zimmer on the hot seat? He wants to go work for a coach in the hot seat. You know, who wants to go and deal with um, a, a quarterback in, who's – got all the God-given talent in the world and is an exceptional player. But you know what? Things just didn't click up there from Mike McCarthy for whatever reason. So there's a lot of question marks up there. A lot of interesting things going on in the division. And the Bears, here they are, 9-4 and four on top of it all. Yeah, I mean, if you just look at these four teams in the NFC North, which one do you want to be? I mean, yeah. the Bears are the team right now. Yeah, what? and I'm telling you, you know, look at the, the Lions situation. That is a precarious situation that's going to have a lot of turnover this year where Matt Patricia may or not be in the hat on the hot seat before we know it. Now, one last note on John D. Filippo though. I still think he's going to get some looks as a head coach, whether it's this year or in the future, just because you're not a great play caller or you don't have success as a play caller. And let's remember, this is a much different situation than he was in in Philadelphia under an offensive head coach. Now he goes to a different place where there's a defensive head coach and he's, you know, sort of the the guy that's supposed to be in charge of the offense, but you don't have autonomy over the entire team. I mean, it was a there was friction there. So just because John D. Filippo didn't work out in Minnesota in this one situation doesn't mean he can't work out elsewhere. Even if he needs work as a play caller, you don't have to be the play caller as the head coach. I mean, you can still be a good coach and lead an entire franchise. Um, you know, if you relate to players well and you're you know able to delegate. Well, so we'll just I just because he got fired quickly doesn't mean John D. Filippo's name is going to go away anytime soon. And I was still impressed with what I saw last year, both those videos that we talked about that, of him breaking stuff down in Philadelphia, the time I got to talk to him, uh, really all of the above. I thought he was an impressive candidate, and I didn't hear anything you know negative after the Bears talked to him either. I just think they really like Matt Nagy, and you can see why Ryan Pace did. Oh, oh, the guy's going to land on his feet. Yeah, He's got too good of a re- reputation uh, around the league, especially in certain circles, offensive circles, not to get a look in, in some capacity. I mean, he, he's definitely got a, he's definitely got another chance, you know, as a quarterback's coach if he wants it. And I think some teams, like you said, will look at him as a head coach, and he'll get another shot as an OC as well. What if uh, Mark Alfred gets his job somewhere? I don't know. What if, what if he does? And then Matt Nagy could hire Flip. Just yeah, you, you never know. I'm just saying. You need that triumvirate. I, I think people like that triumvirate around yeah. um, their young quarterbacks. A, you know, last last year with Peterson and Reich and, and Flip, and now you got Ragone, Helfrich, and Nagy. People seem to like that. That's a good word, triumvirate. Triumvirate. That's good. That's good. So take that and think about that. All right. <laughs> Um, the other thing I wanted to get to playoff scenarios. Now that it's almost assured that the Bears are in the playoffs, it's not official, but there's really no way. I mean, even if I think, even if I think they lose out, there have there's a lot of help that like a lot of things happen for them not to get in. Um, so the question is, and I pose this in a Twitter poll on uh, well on Twitter, which of the wild potential wild card opponents? do you fear the most? Like, which one are you worried about the most? And honestly, this came from a conversation that uh, your colleague, 
our colleague, Pat Finley, started on Twitter last night after the Seahawks-Vikings uh, game. Look, it's very impressive what Seattle's done this year. I've said it before. Pete Carroll's done an unbelievable job. But it, Pat kind of brought it up like that's a team I would want to avoid, and it does matter if the Bears get the 3 or 4 seed if you play Seattle. looks like Seattle will most likely be the 5 seed, depending on what happens here. But are you worried about Seattle? And then we could talk about some of these other teams. But th- I still came away from that game last night like, eh, the defense is good, but are they really going to score much on the Bears at Soldier Field? And honestly, I felt like if that game had been played in Minneapolis last night, I think the Vikings would have won. Yeah. Look, they run the ball well, but you know who else ran the ball well until the other night? Todd Gurley. And I, and I say that knowing that like guys like Frank Gore, Albert Wilson, and LeGarrette Blount have, have run roughshod over the Bears' defense. But by all accounts and purposes, the Bears' defense can stop the run. I, I mean, we, we can all agree on that. Yeah. Um, Russell Wilson's numbers weren't all that impressive. Did you see that interception that he threw? Um, oh, yeah. At the end of the first half, like holy yeah. moly, what the <laughs> what was that? Quick, uh, quick, quick fantasy side note. I know people don't care about this, but um, I needed Russell Wilson to score less than 19 points last night for me to get in the playoffs. So I thoroughly enjoyed that interception. Yeah, <laughs> it was mind-boggling. So okay, let me just so the the Seahawks have won four in a row. And these are the teams they've beaten. The Packers, I think we're learning what they are. Mm. Still got Aaron Rodgers, but obviously they got problems. Their head coach is out. Carolina Panthers at Carolina. They're not that good, are they? Cam Newton's Panthers are not that good. Let's be honest. No. The 49ers, we know what they are. And then you have the Vikings. The last two losses, this is the Seahawks, the last two losses, Chargers and Rams. They lost to the Chargers 25-17 and lost to the Rams 36-31. So they're they're a competitive team. Yes, Russell Wilson, ugly interceptions aside, you should worry about because he is an absolute playmaker. He's been there before. He's won there before. But you know what? Overall, just in terms of roster depth and difference makers across the board, I think the Bears have more. Yeah, I, I guess my yeah my point is I'm not that worried about Seahawks. I guess maybe that's the team you should fear the most. But uh, and in fact, just looking at the results, this poll's been up for 40 minutes now, uh, almost 2,000 votes on it, and right at 66 percent Seahawks taking uh, two thirds of the votes. So that's obviously the team the Bears Bears fans are worried about the most. I, you know, you can only put four options on these Twitter polls, so I I chose to skip the Panthers. I wanted to have the Vikings in there because that honestly right now still looks like the most likely opponent that the Bears will face in the wild card game. And then I throw the Eagles in there because they're still the Super Bowl champions and still could get in. Uh, And then the team I threw in that probably is such a long shot to still get in. But honestly, I would worry about the most, especially if they win their final three games, they'd be on quite a tear. The Giants. You know, the Giants have Saquon Barkley and uh, Odell Beckham. And a quarterback in Eli Manning, who even though he's not the old Eli Manning, has such a good track record in the playoffs, plus they already beat the Bears. I mean, it, it, could you imagine if the Giants somehow snuck in as the sixth seed and that's the game? I mean, I honestly would be more worried about that matchup than the Seahawks. Just because of the the special talents you have and the experience, is that it? That and the fact that I think they're obviously playing a lot better than they did earlier in the year. You could say the same thing about the Seahawks, 
But I just I think they're a better team overall. There's more. Yeah, and, there's and more look, on they, offense to worry about. They, yeah, they've they've been in games. You know, even the ones that they've lost. So yeah, maybe they're starting to pick. They they actually demolished the who was it the the, the Redskins last week. Yeah. But so I, I get it. It's my thing is is I'm watching the Vikings just in terms of how, how they handle the the, the flip dismissal. And it, what what happens during week seventeen? I mean, do you go for the kill shot on, on the Vikings? Do you, do you take them out of the picture? Do you and, and go in? You know, is is not so much a rested team for the playoffs, but one that's feeling pretty good about themselves in terms of knocking out another divisional rival in the playoffs for the playoffs. Yeah, and I know some people have brought up the comparison to the Packers situation in twenty ten. Um, you know, that, there's a couple differences. One, of course, is that the Bears didn't rest their starters. They tried to beat the Packers. They just didn't. Um, and then the second is that the Packers were, their arrow was pointing up as they were getting into the playoffs. It's not like they were really backdoor. You know, they, they weren't going through this type of turmoil and having this disappointing of a season that the Vikings are right now. And, and it's, it's honestly, this, this Bears team's better prepared, I think, to win than that team was back then even. so, um, And some people might argue with me on that one, but I still take this offensive system and Matt Nagy uh, and you know even Trubisky over what, what happened in that game. And, and people will argue with me because if Cutler doesn't get hurt, maybe they still win. They probably do still win that game, but it's, uh, you know, it's just a completely different situation for me. I mean, how great is it, though, that your young second-year quarterback, first year in the system, is the, the ultimate wild card, maybe the trump card, and all this, right? Like, if he plays well, if he takes another step in his development, if he starts feeling confident about himself, I mean, what's the limit for these Bears? Like, what if he goes out there, beats the Packers, completely demolishes the 49ers? And, and I mean, what do you have absolutely brewing? If, if Mr. Trubisky takes that next step, what are, I mean, how good can the Bears really be? What type of run can they put together? I mean, what, what a wild card to have. Yeah, being your young second overall pick quarterback. Yeah, and just the last note, I agree with you. The last note I have to say, though, on this is between the three and four seeds, what I think is more important is actually looking ahead to the divisional round. I think you want to play that game in L.A., not New Orleans. And I realize you're probably going to have to play through both of those destinations to get to the Super Bowl. But you give your, to me, you give yourself a better chance at advancing to the next round by going to L.A. rather than having to play in the Superdome. The Coliseum is just, it's not as good of a home field advantage for the Rams. And they're, you know the fan base isn't as established. And there's a ton of Bears fans that live out there. There's a ton of Bears fans that live out there that will invade that Coliseum. Honestly, in that environment, it, it would feel closer to a neutral site game than certain way, way different than going to New Orleans. So that's what I would be more concerned about. And right now, the Saints are the one seed. The Rams are the two seed. It could change, but that's how it is right now. And who knows? Maybe one of those fans out there in L.A. owns an air raid siren. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. All right. Um, should we play this Mike Heller interview? Let's do it. Had a chance to talk to him earlier today. Uh, Mike Heller from... The Big 1070 in Madison is show syndicated all across the state of Wisconsin. And we always like talking to him when it comes to Packers week. We'll, of course, break the Packers game down more on Thursday. But uh, I thought this was a good opportunity to get him back on the podcast and figure out what the heck's been wrong with Green Bay this year. What's been wrong with Aaron Rodgers? And now, 
what do people in Wisconsin think about the Bears? All right, to get more on the Green Bay Packers and what has happened so far this season, it's been uh, quite the year for both of the franchises involved in this football game on Sunday. We bring in Mike Heller, who we uh, talked to back in the summer as we were getting ready for the season. Host of the Mike Heller Show, heard all across the state of Wisconsin. What's going on, Mike? Been quite the year. Well, it's been a, a crazy couple of weeks. And, and uh, yeah, when we talked in, in August, I'm didn't envision this. I thought that the Bears were close, um, but I thought they were a year away, and I still thought that the Packers um, were at the top of the division or close to it, and the opposite has turned out to be true. Green Bay is uh, hanging on by a thread, and, and the Bears are just that one game away from clinching. It's really interesting to go back to that week one game at Lambeau Field because the Packers end up pulling out that incredible comeback uh, with Aaron Rodgers on one leg, and uh, it, you know, honestly, thinking about the whole season, that that turns out that's one of the better games of the entire year across the NFL, just the way that that played out. Uh, but the Bears really kind of dominated most of that football game, and so it's it's interesting to look back on that and think the Bears suffered uh, such a tough loss. The Packers came back with such a, an emotional victory. And yet, really, I thought the uh, the more the better representation of these seasons is probably how the first three quarters of that game played out with the Bears getting off to the big lead that they got in that game. Yeah, and I, and I look back at that and I think you know it's part of the um, part of the question that still remains for Chicago, in, in my opinion, and, and looking from the outside in, is the is the maturation and the elevation of the play of Mitchell Trubisky. And in that game, he got up to such a good start. And in the second half, he looked like a kid again. Um, too many mistakes, wasn't going through progressions. Mike Pettin's defense uh, kind of got into um, his lack of experience. And, and I also thought from a Green Bay perspective that the second half of that game offensively was the best that the Packers looked all year. And I think that's a bit of an indictment on Aaron Rodgers in not getting balls out on time and trying to extend plays in the second half of that game after returning from the knee injury that looked like it was season-ending in the moment, um, he threw the ball quickly, didn't try to extend any plays, just got the ball out on time. And it's kind of uh, amazing to look back at that and see that that's the way the Packers' offense functions at its best. And sometimes Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to function that way. So, Mike, this is you know kind of a big picture question, but what went wrong with this team this year? Mike McCarthy's now gone. Joe Philbin's the interim head coach. Packers are going to be looking for a new coach. I mean, what what happened? How did the Packers get here? The uh, the down the stretch work of Ted Thompson, the former general manager, um, he was in that position probably two years and two drafts too long. And, and I think that the personnel hurt what they were trying to do. I think there is a game disconnect, was a game disconnect, between Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy. Their approach to the game was different. And, uh, and, and they grew apart from a philosophy standpoint of once the game began. And I actually think Mike McCarthy is probably on the right side of that argument. Aaron Rodgers sometimes, in fact, many times, way too often, will pass on the immediate throw, which can be a good throw, can be a five- or a six-yard play. He passes on that immediately 
waiting and, and counting on his ability to uh, extend the play, to fade the rush, and make something much bigger happen. And uh, you know, I've talked about this on, on my show here many times, is that you know five, five good plays in a row is great. And Aaron looks for the one of the five that is great. He gives up on the good looking for the great. And I think that's been a constant problem. But if you cut back to it, it's more personnel-driven uh, than anything else. But the second layer of, of McCarthy Rogers, something had to get there, and it did. And uh, and I don't know if that salvages now, but it gives you a chance to salvage the future. And it's funny how they kind of mirror one another because the same thing happened to Brett Favre. Uh, his career was on a downward spiral, and the Packers shifted out of Mike Sherman and into Mike McCarthy, and two years later, they were playing in the NFC Championship game, and Favre was an MVP candidate. So uh, I guess that leads to the next question. Who are the early names being thrown out as the you know, potential candidates to come in here and salvage these final, whatever it is, four or five years of Aaron Rodgers' career? Because I think we can all agree he's got some good football left in him. And the Packers obviously uh, need to turn this thing around and you know and avoid going into uh, a, a longer rebuild like the Bears had to go into. Yeah, I, I think the first candidate is the guy on the sideline when uh, when Joe Philbin took over as an interim. Uh, we kind of bantied about and batted that question around whether he was really a candidate. And my initial thought was, no, he's not. Um, he can become a candidate if somehow the Packers could find their way to win the next three. Now, I think they could win the last two. When the Packers go after Chicago, they'll go to the Jets and home with Detroit. I don't think they can win in Chicago on Sunday. I just don't. But, you know, strange things happen in the league, and if that happened and the Packers did win the final three and either just missed or just made the playoffs, Bilden's got a significant candidacy for the job. The other names are going to be every name, you know, from Josh McDaniels as uh, the OC in the new, with the New England Patriots all the way down to Nick Saban and Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern, which has a connection with Mark Murphy, the Packers president, um, and, you know, de facto owner as far as decision-making processes are concerned, uh, all the way to Jim Harbaugh says he's out to, you know, I mean, you can name your name and that person is likely getting some consideration in Green Bay. So the the big question here, uh, other than the uh, Pat Fitzgerald interest, is Vic Fangio, who the the Packers wanted to hire in the offseason to, to come in as their defensive coordinator. And, uh, you know, Vic has received some interviews for head coaching jobs, never really seemed to have been a, a finalist or, uh, you know, had a, had a close chance to actually get a head coaching job, obviously doing such a good job with the Bears' defense this year. Do you, do you think they would look at Vic, or is this a situation where more than likely – the Packers follow the trend of the NFL right now and, and find an offensive head coach to, to pair with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really interesting scenario. Trying to figure out what the Packers are going to do is really very difficult. When they hired Mike Holmgren all the way back in, uh, in the 1990s, nobody had really, I mean, Holmgren was not a name at the top of people's list, even though he was from the 49ers' Bill Walsh coaching tree. Uh, and the same can be said for Mike Sherman when they hired him and Mike McCarthy when they hired him. Uh, yeah, the wave is to go um, with the offensive mind. And I don't know what Green Bay will do in that regard. 
what what I think, Adam, is is I think they love their defensive coordinator right now in Mike Patton. Can they hire a head coach who, among others, would keep Patton as their defensive coordinator and bring in a more offensive-minded coach who will take care of that side and just let Mike Patton be your defensive head coach? Um, so I, I'm more inclined to think that they might go that way. But, shoot, figuring these things out is really difficult, and it'll be a process because if they're going to do any coach in the NFL, this this won't happen until mid-January. You know, so the Packers will essentially have a six-week coaching search uh, in order to go through the process. So, okay, so Aaron Rodgers, you, you, you broke down kind of what's been going wrong with him. Uh, this season and some of some of his flaws that have shown up, did did those get corrected on Sunday uh, with with Joe Philbin in there? Did, did it seem like the offense was more in sync against the Falcons? I, I saw part of the game. I haven't gone back and watched the whole thing. I will. We're still pretty early in the week, but it, I, I guess what I'm asking is, will the Bears be facing an Aaron Rodgers and a Packers offense that's clicking? better now since they made the head coaching change than certainly we've seen most of the season? A a little better, but again, hard to figure out. The Atlanta Falcons are a bad football team and a a football team that just didn't, um, you know, they they quit. Players hate to hear that, but watching the game, Atlanta didn't look very interested, especially in the second half. And um, so hard to gauge. And we all kind of felt like the Packers would get a bump from, the emotion that was last week um, with the firing of the head coach and, and then McCarthy coming back in to give them um, some motivation and passion and, and say goodbye on Wednesday, which is very unusual. Uh, they really like Joe Feldman. He's, he's a lovable guy. I don't know if he'll be the next head coach or if he'll be a head coach again, but they love and respect him. It's his second tour of duty in Green Bay. So, um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, they got Randall Cobb back, and that helps. But it's still, they were playing without three-fifths of their offensive line, which I think tells you all you need to know about how bad Atlanta was. Um, so I don't know if Green Bay found rhythm and answers offensively. I think they got an emotional bump. They're just not very good right now, and I'm not, I'm not a believer that they can come into Chicago and win. And you know as well as I do, the NFL does funny things, things that you can't see coming. This is one that I don't see coming, but it's what the league sometimes does. So we'll, well, they'll play the game, and I'll be interested to see where it goes. Well, I know the Bears certainly thought they were going to beat Brett Hundley last year when the Packers came to town, and that ended up being, uh, in my opinion, the, the game that sealed John Fox's fate uh, in getting fired, not pulling that game out. That was an ugly one. Now, I think we can both agree that the Bears are, are certainly far removed from what happened last year. Uh, I asked you this question in August. You touched on this a little bit at the beginning with with Mitchell Trubisky, but now what is the Wisconsin view of the Bears? Because I know back in August when we talked, it was, okay, they're getting better, but not quite there. Now how are the Bears viewed as uh, the Packers prepare to come to Soldier Field on Sunday? Well, I, I mean, I, I just, I, I'm an outlier here. I think the Bears are a Mitchell Trubisky question away from being a Super Bowl team. Uh, I, I think that defense is hard to sustain in this league. Um, so if the Bears, I think the Bears are a Super Bowl threat right now for this year uh, based on their defense, what we saw again on Sunday night against the Rams, uh, what they what they did to Jared Goff. Uh, I think they can do that to everybody, um, and, and it would help 
uh, Chicago to win out and maybe get a little help and and only have to maybe play one road game in the postseason. Um, but I do think that Adam, that the big question for the Bears as far as their sustainability is at the quarterback position because I think, and this again, I'm an outlier here. I think that Trubisky reminds me of early Favre, and that means that I think he can be great. I don't think he. I don't know that he will be great. Favre had the same dilemma early. He would he would do things with Mike Holmgren as a head coach, and you'd look at him and go, "My goodness, he could be great." But you would also look at things and go, well, I don't know. And that's what I see in Trubisky. So can he take that step? Um, I think the uh, addition, obviously, of Khalil Mack is a season-changer, a game-changing moment for the Bears. Uh, but uh, And I think they're a Super Bowl threat. I just wonder what they are next year and two years is almost, for me at least, almost totally based on what the next step is for, for Trubisky. Can he take the next step? Or is it this guy? Because if it's this guy, I don't think he'll sustain greatness for that, that position in Chicago. But if he takes the next step, he, he could. Yeah, I, I think it's fair. I mean, that's uh, I. In fact, I I wrote something. I was all the way back in week two, three, or four. Um, that you know, the as good as the Bears' defense was looking, they were a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender. And now here we are, much later in the season, and it still kind of feels that way. Uh, because his defense is probably the best in the league and proved on Sunday against the Rams they can hang with anyone. But you need the, like you said, it's much easier. You need the quarterback to sustain success. Defense, sustaining defensive success is much harder. I think we can look at the Vikings drop off this year, the Jaguars drop off uh, that, you know, as examples that nothing is, even the Eagles, nothing is guaranteed beyond one season. So you have to take advantage of these seasons uh, when they come along. So that's uh, certainly the big question here. And um, I know Bears fans are hoping he bounces back against the Packers on Sunday. So, you know, it's still a rivalry game, Mike. And, uh, you know, until the Bears, in my mind, until the Bears prove they can beat Aaron Rodgers, Nothing can be taken for granted here with this matchup. The Packers could easily come in here and win because it's just the way that this series has gone. And until the Bears do it, um, they can't take the Packers lightly. Yeah, and and just to elaborate on your point, I think defenses can win for a year or two. Quarterbacks can win for 10. So that's why Green Bay can come in and give Chicago a lot of trouble on Sunday is that they've got a Hall of Fame quarterback and – the Bears have a quarterback that could either be a Hall of Famer or a trivia question in, in 10 years, you know, because I don't know where he's going to go from here. I think he has the ability to be great. Uh, you just don't know if he's going to be. And you cannot maintain uh, the examples you brought up are the perfect ones. You cannot maintain uh, success in the NFL with a defense because you have to pay too many players. Mm-hmm. So Jacksonville uh, is out in that regard. Minnesota's defense is not nearly. It was good last night, but not good enough. Not nearly what it was um, a year ago. So th- this is the the Bears have a hot iron right now, and if they can find a way, I, the Bears could play in the Super Bowl this year. But I think it's incumbent that Mitchell Trubisky makes plays. You can't win like they did Sunday night against the Rams and just have your defense do everything and the quarterback continue to put put you in bad spots. The last thing I have for you, Mike, is is just how seriously are the Packers taking this idea of of the they still could get into the playoffs technically. And we've heard this you know, from Rodgers in the past. Oh, you got to win out, and they've done it. 
But this is uh, I, I, we all can agree that this team isn't as good as as those in the past. But I mean, are they still going to be coming in highly motivated because technically they can make the playoffs, and that all starts with winning Sunday at Soldier Field. Well, yeah, if, if Green Bay wins Sunday, they, they've got a decent chance to actually make the playoffs. They need the Vikings to lose twice, two of the remaining three. Mm-hmm. And if Green Bay wins in Chicago, I think they'll win out. They'll play out the Jets and home with Detroit down the stretch. So for the Packers, uh, I don't know that they're talking about it, from, but from a, somebody that covers the team, um, Sunday's like a Super Bowl as far as this team's opportunity to get in the playoffs. If they win Sunday, there's a legitimate chance. If they lose, they're not mathematically, I don't think, but they would be essentially eliminated. Um, and they need the Bears to, you know, if Green Bay were to win on Sunday, it does them two things. One, it probably makes the Bears game at Minnesota in the, the final weekend of the season important to the Bears, which would help the, the Packers because the Vikings need to lose twice where Green Bay is concerned. So, yeah, Sunday is... It's really interesting, Adam, because I don't know if they can maintain the bump that they got last week from an emotional standpoint. Um, but the quarterback is a great equalizer and, and a really good running back, too, and a little bit healthier at wide receiver. So um, I think we've got a game on Sunday. I think the Packers will be motivated. And if they win, I think there's a legitimate shot to make the postseason. All right. Well, it should be fun. Uh, it's still Packers Bears, no matter you know which team is good and which team is struggling. So uh, it, it'll be a good one. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate the time. Absolutely, Adam. Thank you. All right. So there's Mike Heller. Uh, look, are you proud of me, Johns? I didn't rub it in too much. I didn't. I didn't. I don't even think I told you so once in that interview. <laughs> I think the the entire interview was secretly and I told you so interview. No. No. I I thought about doing it and then I was like, you know what? Our listeners know what's up. Our listeners know. (laughs) That's what I mean. That's what I mean. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. You're right. A little bit. Uh, No, but, uh, you know, I I thought there were a couple interesting things in there. I mean, uh, one, he admitted that he just did not see this coming with the Packers this year. And, you know, we always talk about sometimes out-of-town stupid um, when it comes to teams from the or media from the outside of the market looking at your team, and maybe that's what I thought I maybe that's what they thought I was when I was looking ahead at the Packers this year and saying, you know, I think they're going to be bad. Uh, it, but there's also the the opposite of that. By the way, that's not what I'm accusing Mike of. I'm bringing this around. Um, sometimes you get so close to these teams that, and I think it's all happened to us probably in past years with the Bears, like probably the second Mark Tressman year. I think a lot of us were probably ignoring or didn't realize what was going on behind the scenes and how close that was to imploding. And I think most people, I don't remember what I predicted the Bears to do that year, but I probably had them in the playoffs or thought they'd be in the playoffs that, that year. Uh, and we saw that that total collapse and how that went down. So I'm not surprised that people in Wisconsin didn't really see what happened with the Packers coming. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's certainly been interesting and maybe the most interesting thing in there, John Z is that he seems to think Joe Philbin's a real candidate to keep that job. Come on. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, well, maybe that's, and he even admitted too that maybe it's a little bit too much based on this past, you know, this week's performance. And, but you know, if they come in what happens if they beat the bears on Sunday? Well, that would be seismic here. Um, 
there'll be a lot of booming and it won't be from uh, Matt Nagy's crew. Um, <laughs> well, they'd be shocking. Number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, but if, if, even, if, but even if they finish three and two, I, I mean, how many games have they had with Mike McCarthy? They will have three, five games, right? Yeah. Five or four. I forget. Uh, they will have, it'd be four. And, and quite frankly, I'm not. I don't think they're going to beat the Bears Sunday. But if they do, their road to get into the playoffs isn't that crazy. Well, they got to win out again, you know. And it's going to be the old relaxed approach for from Aaron Rodgers. So, I mean, he's the one coaching the team, is he not? Is Joe Philbin really running that offense? But <laughs> if if he gets along, if Aaron and Joe get along, and this is his second stint there in Green Bay, there's there's. A, I mean, I'm just saying there's a chance. By the way, after they play the Bears, they go to New York to play the Jets, and then they host the Lions. So, uh, so winning out is doable if they win on Sunday, which again yes, I don't I think is unlikely. But if they do pull off that upset, winning out would actually be very likely. So you're telling me that Aaron Rodgers is now becoming the, the, the LeBron James of the NFL, where he gets to pick his own coach. I think and he's fire Le- him. Well. I think he's a LeBron James of the state of Wisconsin, and I say that with some knowledge of living there in the past and having plenty of family that lives up there. Yeah. Uh. I don't think that's the, the prudent approach in the ultimate team sport, my friend. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I agree with you. I'm just telling you. Uh, you never know. You never know. And Mike also brought up Pat Fitzgerald's name. No, that'd be something. Can you see Fitz, the ultimate Chicago guy? I mean, the guy from the south suburbs with the Chicago accent. Would he do it? You tell me. Uh, here, here's, here's my take on that. Um, if I'm the Packers, I absolutely interview Fitz. I think he'd be a great candidate, and the Mark Murphy connection makes a ton of sense. I I don't have any inside information on this per se, but my feeling being around the program is I would be surprised if at this specific time Fitz decided to get up and leave for the NFL. Does it happen someday down the road? Maybe, but right now with these new facilities and the the upswing of this program and really where he's gotten to it, I just think there's unfinished business. Because now that you got this facility, and who knows if they can work on something with the stadium in the future, but you're you're ideally going to see an uptick in recruiting a little bit. And he's been winning without the high recruits. You start getting some high recruits, and now you're talking about taking the program to the next level. So look, it's the NFL. I get it. Um, I just I don't know that the timing is right right now, and we'll just have to wait and see on that. Just one final point, Adam, before we close this thing out. College is still vastly different than the pros. Yeah. Ask yeah. Nick Saban, ask Steve Spurrier. I know Pete Carroll has done it. I know some of these guys have done it, but it can still be a trap for some of these very successful college well, And a lot of these guys need to they get the, the first taste in the NFL, they get fired, then they have to come back for a second stint, and that's when they have the success because they learn a lot from the first, the first time around. So, um, you know, I think the way that Fitz runs his program, it could work in the NFL, but again, I just, I don't, the, the timing right now, uh, I would be surprised if that all happens. Uh, yeah. And so... And he also didn't seem too hot on the idea of Vic Fangio, which is also something I asked him in there. Um, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. But so uh, there's Mike Heller's take on both the Packers and the Bears. We'll, of course, talk about that uh, more on Thursday as we preview the game. The last thing I wanted to sneak in here, just because I had a whole list of topics to bring up, but I don't know if you saw this, but the Raiders uh, got sued today by the city of Oakland, which 
decreases the chances that they're going to be playing in Oakland next year. The only reason I bring that up is because the Bears are supposed to play a road game against the Raiders next season. Who the hell knows where it's going to get played? (laughs) What a mess. Uh, It could be London, Mexico City, maybe San Diego, maybe Las (laughs) Vegas, maybe, you know... And the stadium's not dumb, but they could play at UNLV next year. I don't know. Who knows where the hell the game's going to be? Oh, I like that idea. Don't you? I like that idea a lot. Yes, yes, yes. I was about to make all sorts of jokes here, but that, yes, UNLV. I am all for that because I was so disappointed that we weren't going to get a chance to go to Vegas next year. And you know what? Since the Raiders are an absolute mess, we may get our chance, Adam. Maybe. Maybe it'll be Hogan Johns live from the Mirage. Oh, let's set it up now. Live show. <laughs> yes, yes. Let's yeah, get it yes. going with the slot machine noises in the background. Oh, we'd have it going. We'd have it going. It'd yeah. be a blast. An and, absolute blast. We'll get the Mirage Dolphins. You know, we'll go see the Pirate Show by Treasure Island. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we'll do it right. Uh, you know, it's interesting because this got me on the topic of the 2019 schedule and it sort of dawned on me, you know, the, the downfall of winning your division is that you have to play the, you know, a first place schedule, which means the bears are going to play the saints at home next season and the Rams on the road. So whether or not those become playoff matchups this year, which is certainly a possibility, the bears will be headed to the Coliseum next year. So you get that. I mean, because those are already, they, they clinched their divisions. I got to behave myself more on that New Orleans trip. <laughs> you know what? You and a lot of other guys do too. <laughs> yes. Yes, yes, we do. I, oh, oh, Jeff let's Dickerson. Just, let's just say I, I arrived there on my late flight because Northwestern played a triple overtime game. And I arrived down there at like 1230 in the morning, and um, that turned out to be a blessing in disguise. Yes. What a fabulous town. Ate well. Had a great time. And thank God that press box is like living in outside right now in Chicago. Because we needed it. Every single beat writer from Chicago needed needed that to stay awake. It was focused. It was freezing in there. Freezing. Yes, All right. Um, we should get out of here. Good stuff. Good episode. Glad we got it done. And um hey, it's Packer Week. I don't care what the records are, it's always fun. And I, well, it's a big game, man. It's a big game. Hey, I'm going to talk about this plenty on Thursday. You cannot take this game for granted. I know the Bears are a lot better, but everyone thought the Bears were going to beat the Packers last year with Brett Hundley, too. <laughs> Different team. That, that, those were John Fox's players. Uh, definitely, but until you get it done. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Until you get it done, it's still, a, it's still a tough matchup, in my opinion. All right. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns. That's where you can get the, all the you know information from House Hall the next couple days. We will be there. Uh, read us at WGNRadio.com slash BearsChicagoSuntimes.com. Go check out that story, Matt Nagy and his Packer connection with 9-11. Good stuff there. Make sure you go read it at ChicagoSuntimes.com. And, you know, our guy Bob Dabrowski emailed us, said he doesn't know how to rate and review the podcast. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah, I thought we were going to save that for Friday. We should do a whole segment on that email. You know what? <laughs> That's a good tease. We'll save it for Thursday. And if people really not know how to rate and re- review? I guess not. We'll talk to you then on Thursday. We'll get that all figured out for you guys. Enjoy your next couple days, and we'll preview the pack in a Thursday. Talk to you then.
So take that and think about that for a little bit.